This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. Today we're talking about just trends. Trends, not just in the wedding industry, we're talking about trends when it comes to wedding filmmakers and what a lot of people are doing in 2023. It's one of those things where we reflect on it a lot in our own business. Like sometimes I'm like, you don't know what's best YouTube. I know what's best. I'm a filmmaker. I know what I'm doing. And it's like, that's not how social media works. When it comes to being an artist, you don't want to follow the trends because artists break the rules. Oh, you want to make good wedding films? Don't watch other filmmakers. And I'm like, that's not true either. How many people last year wanted a say on their music? Last year was a huge turning point for music. That's reels. Yeah. That's 100% putting music on their reels. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared. Welcome back to another fantastic episode with myself, Jared Haskell, here again with Mr. Jason McCutcheon, who's adjusting audio levels. Jay, you here with us? I'm here. <laughs> How are you doing, dude? Doing good. Yeah. Excited about working on videos for YouTubes and stuff, doing all those YouTubes videos. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I was going to say this as like a podcast. It's it's one of those things right now where I kind of feel like it could be hard to like know the difference between like what's going to work on YouTube or what like that audience is totally different. Yeah, I mean, we started just as wedding filmmakers like probably most people listen to this podcast um and now moving into YouTube for the last 2 years, I feel like it's just been a lot of like hit and miss and sometimes we really feel like oh we're getting traction here and understanding the youtube game and then other times it's just like shot in the dark man super frustrating and i feel like we're much better wedding filmmakers than we are youtubers but i just think like you know this this is gonna be no surprise to anyone but i think as a like a, a wedding filmmaker like sometimes i'm like you don't know what's best youtube you like, I know what's best. I'm a filmmaker. I know what I'm doing. And it's like, that's not how social media works. No, no. Like, they, like that kind of stuff, it's all about, like, meeting them what they want. Yeah. Feeding the beast, man. That's right. all it is. It's like, what will gain traction for them? Get eyeballs, sell ads, make them money. And, you know, sometimes, like, uh, it, if you are new to the Wedding Film School show, we do have two different YouTube channels. Um, kind of some of this discussion behind the scenes that we're having is how to best get get out there. Like in the past, we've had the one YouTube channel, Wedding Film School. We were posting these podcasts on Wedding Film School, and it just tanked the channel in a lot of ways, right? Um, so we started the wish... new channel, and that's kind of gaining some uh, kind of much more organic momentum and has been a little bit easier. So I wish that we could just make the content we wanted to make without having to play those games, you yeah, know? Yeah. I wish we could just do what we know is the most helpful to people. I'm mm -hmm. um, not sure we get to do that. and But I will say, if you like the content that we make and you um, want us to be free from that conversation, you're welcome to come over to our YouTube channel, become a member, support the channel in that way. 
um, because it helps us a lot. The more we can, um, the more we can generate income from this, the more we can do it, the less likely we are to have to play those games, the more we can just keep doing stuff that people enjoy and like. And so that's what I'm thinking about these days, trying to, trying to make wedding film school something that is sustainable and, and, and benefits the wedding filmmaking community without compromising. Yep. Yep. Totally. And without, you know, asking people to join, you know, groups and masterminds and <laughs> making it so that people are just spending money every time we want to give them value. So uh, YouTube is a great way to do that. Um, so Jay, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about just trends, right? It's one of those things where we reflect on it a lot as wedding filmmakers in our own business. Um, what are the trends? Like, right. like, and I think this is, why do you think people like, there's always like a part of the industry that it will be like, I'm not following trends. Like, like, do you think that trends is like a negative word to a lot of people? Um, I think so. I, I don't know. Like in the past, like being trendy is a cool thing, right? Sure, like going sure. to school and being trendy is like, but oh. But if somebody was like, you're following the trends with your wedding film, that would right. be like well, a bad thing. There's a difference. Like trends when it comes to like pop culture, I tend to find is a good thing. But when it comes to being an artist, oh yeah, following the trends, you don't want to follow the trends because artists break the rules, right? Yes. And um, I, yeah, I definitely think there's a negative connotation to it. But, um, you know, I, I, just to clarify about like trends, we're talking about trends, not mm -hmm. just in the wedding industry, we're talking about trends when it comes to wedding filmmakers and what a lot of people are doing in 2023. Well, and the, re right? the reason I bring it up is to say like, you don't like, by being aware of what's going on, what couples are asking for, what other filmmakers are doing. You know, that's the other thing I hear a lot is like, oh, you want to make good wedding films? Don't watch other filmmakers. And I'm like, that's not true either. Like, you should be aware. But by being aware, I think it lets you fine-tune your own vision mm -hmm. maybe a little more. And so that's kind of what I think we're trying to get into is like, what's happening? What's different about 2023 than maybe other years? Just like, so you can know... I don't want to do that. I'm not mm -hmm. going to do that. Or I'm already doing that. Maybe I'm going to see some lifts right. or who knows. But I, I think that's kind of the purpose of the discussion today is not so much about here's some things you should be doing and copying, but here's some things that we're seeing in the industry, you know, judging film competitions, watching film reviews, running our own part of the industry with our own little corner. Yeah, This is what we're seeing. And, you know, here's I what it is. We'll tell you. <laughs> I think that's a good point because talking about the types of films that are out there um, is going to be a, a kind of a part of this conversation, but there are so many different styles of wedding films that are very saleable out there. So we're not necessarily necessarily saying like, hey, this trend is a good trend, and if you do this type of wedding film, that means that you're dating it. Like, There's so many different people out there that want plenty of different types of films. Um, we always say it. We really feel like the wedding film industry... Um, is really growing up and expanding a little bit more, a lot like photographers have expanded their offerings in terms of style of photographer and, and you know, what, what just in general what they offer mm -hmm. um, and, and have really 
broadened their offerings to to couples. So I think the wedding film industry is really following in that in that trend. So you do a lot of sales calls, Jared, and as someone who does those calls, you know, you're hearing what people want, right? Mm-hmm. And you do probably I don't know if you do more than anyone in the industry, but you definitely do a lot. Yeah. How many sales calls did you do in the last thirty days? Oh, in the last thirty days? Guess. Forty five or fifty, maybe. <laughs> so like that's yeah. some people's entire year. Yeah. So we did, I wanna say last year, something like six hundred sales calls as a company. So this is based on all these interactions we're having with people who have yet to make a purchase. Um, what are you seeing? What is like there's a trend I think we're seeing that maybe we didn't see before in maybe couples' expectations about their wedding films, because we've been doing this for 10, 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. What do you, what's one of the, the first trends you're seeing in the wedding industry that's maybe a little different? Sure, um, I would say couples now, and, and and the other point that I would add on to all my accolades is uh, we've been doing this for a really long time. Oh yeah, yeah 12 so, years. So not just like, you know, consist- consistently, so. Um, yeah, we didn't do 50 sales <laughs> calls in 30 days 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But talk to a lot of people over a long period of time, and something that I've seen change is just what people's expectations are. Uh, couples want more say mm. in their wedding film, right? So I think in in twenty twenty three, they're much much more aware of kind of what's out there. Um, that there are a lot of different types of wedding filmmakers out there. Um, I actually will get approached by people and be like, "Hey, um, <laughs> here's the revs." wedding film i've had people send me larev's film and be like can you do something like this and i'm like well no because i'm not larev and also larev is uh three times as much as i'm gonna charge well, you and uh, <laughs> can you do something like that wedding he shot yeah yeah <laughs> or they shot yeah and um but but people are much more aware and they you know i think they're much more in tune with uh, social media so they've seen a lot more something stood out to them a little bit more so you know there's a way that i can actually sell our services to someone who likes a loretta yeah um but i definitely would say people want more say in general what, what do you think i was gonna say i wonder how much people's awareness of like video editing and interacting with making their own films via like um, you know, social media and cutting their own reels and just they're like kind of, it used to be that way with photography. I think everyone's always like basically aware of how photography works. And mm-hmm. so they have opinions and say, and we sell photography. So we know like it's a totally different animal mm-hmm. when you're doing a consultation for photography. I want this. I want, I want to make sure you get these groupings and like everyone has an idea of how the sausage is made. I think before people were like so ignorant in how video worked that they would just be like, like as far as oh, I'm man. concerned, this is magic. We had a, such a huge leg up on people, on photographers specifically, because people, we would hear from photographers all the time, oh, this person, you know, wanted their freckles photoshopped out and uh-huh. all this stuff, like what a photographer could do. And then whenever we would deliver to people, people would just be like, this is great. Yeah, it was it. it That's was like, their feedback. It was they had no feedback. They would just be like, they would never tell you like, barely would they even say like, this moment capture it this mm-hmm. way or get audio here or any of the things that like, I think, are actually somewhat happening now. Yeah. Like, and I wonder if it's because people have more, like, actual touch with the idea of video editing. Like, sure. the idea of I can make videos. Like the average person we have, everyone shoots video now. 
Yeah, I, I would say it's two things. I would say the, the customer is much more educated as to kind of what's going on, what's out there. They've seen a lot more social. But then the second thing is their expectations are way higher now than they were five years ago, which yeah. um, I think can probably be a good or a bad thing for our industry. It can be good because if people's expectations are higher, then they're probably willing to spend more money, wouldn't you say? Well, I also think, it yes, yeah. um, but I also think it gives someone who is delivering a better service uh, an opportunity to show their stuff. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm finding, I was telling you before, like, my my consults are a little different than yours, and I'm typically trying to, like, upsell, like, add-ons mm -hmm. when I'm doing, like, a, like a uh, create, we do a thing called a creative treatment call, which is when our shooter talks to the couple after the sale. So if I'm the shooter in the wedding and the, I have the person saying stuff to me, like they never used to say stuff like, make sure you get video of this moment, person coming down, and my dad's going to come here. And then like they have, they have an idea in their mind of what they want this video to be. And I'm using it to say like, oh, if you want that, you need to pay for this shooter or you need to maybe get a longer edit mm -hmm. or maybe I would consider adding another day of coverage. Let me get back to, let me get you back to Jared. Like mm -hmm. it's giving me opportunities to show them that I'm listening and that I can create the experience they want at a price. Mm -hmm. I think if you're savvy, you don't look at educated consumers as a bad thing. You think it as a good thing because the chances are like someone else is gonna do it at a loss to them, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, doesn't actually, like, so like, you're undercutting me. I'm like, you're undercutting yourself, man. If you're willing to do 20 hours of work and I can make two films in the time it takes you to make one and you're making the same I would have made off two, or whatever, you're not making what I would have made, like, that is stupid of you. That doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Right? But if I can say to you, like, I can do exactly what you want, right? And, you know, it just pay a little more, and the person's like, oh, I want that. I see the value in that. You're helping me. Like, people will view that as a help. Certainly. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think, um, and like you said, you know, if, if you are willing to um, charge more for it, um, you can make more money just off your educated customer. Like if, if your customer knows that they're going to go to a Rosewood and there's going to be. Which is a hotel chain. A hotel chain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's going to be some um, spa treatments there. Yes. There's going to be a golf course yes. because it's just a part of the Rosewood thing. You know, you're going to be able to sell that person on these extras down uh -huh. the line just because you're, you don't have to go above and beyond and be like do a whole sales pitch like now people just expect it and um i think it's a good thing uh, for the industry. other thing i mean how many people last year wanted a say on their music yeah yeah right. that that last year was a huge turning point for music that's reels yeah that's 100 percent putting music on their reels yep like yep. Th that i mean that's a it's interesting because anytime you see a trend like this i'm always looking at like the, i think a lot of times there is a negative to a trend where it's like, oh, these people want more and like, you know. Just when I felt like I got into a, a rut and I'm crushing these wedding films, doing exactly what I want to do, people are like, it's good, but can you include these shots of my parents during the portrait session? You're like, ugh. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I, but I also think like you, the more you can make someone's day, the more you can like meet their expectations and yeah. exceed them. Like if a customer has no expectations, it's hard to exceed them. Mm -hmm. But if someone has expectations, now I will say the the music one, that was tough to turn into a win. Like Dude. That was just a pain. Mad annoying.
because it's essentially like people don't understand why they can't have a Beyonce song in their wedding or film. They don't understand the implications of when they don't answer your stinking question on the front end of the process. And then they don't like the song that you deliver. And then you have to charge them to re-edit it. Yes. It's yes. Like, no, this is on you. You ignored all the emails where we let you pick the music. Totally. And now I have to spend the next eight hours. Like, that's a lose-lose situation. Right, right. So it's like, I feel like this is not a fun part of couples wanting more of a say because it's essentially, it is a lose-lose. It's more work for us. It forced and us to have mad. to. They make you think they think you're an idiot for picking the wrong song. All right. that junk. It forced us to have to create this whole separate line of communication. Now, instead of just saying it one time, we say it three times. Like, hey, if you don't pick your song, we're going to pick it. And if you don't like it, you're going to have to pay for if it. If you give bad answers in your thing, where you don't tell people, if you say is- you like every song, oh, we like everything. We like everything, and then we pick something that we think matches your film. And we've done this a lot. We know what we're doing. We're really good at this. Uh, and then you say, oh, I don't think it's right. <laughs> or you like, say, I like country music, and then you pick country music, yeah. and they're like, Well, that's not what I meant. What I meant was this one country artist. And I'm like, That's not person's not country. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's Taylor Taylor Swift. I know. I know. <laughs> like. You're kind of like creating this weird like vocabulary gap yep. between you and the couple. So I think maybe the trend, the uh, like opposing trend for like couples have more to say that filmmakers need to develop is we need to ask better questions from mm-hmm. start to finish. We need to look for opportunities to sell with their education. We also need to understand that they're not actually educated. Yeah. They're actually like they don't understand like a magnetic timeline in Final Cut Pro. They don't understand editing. They, they, still they know it, enough to hurt themselves. Yes. They they think you're literally cutting a reel. Yes. Yes. And so I think there's another side of like now we have to have a trend of better customer education. But anyway, yep. Yep. the next the next thing we we're going to talk about, I think, is a really fun one for filmmakers. And it's kind of, I think, connected to customer expectation because I think it's all like this allows us to do more of this, which is I think there's a trend in wedding filmmaking of just – better storytelling and like almost like storytelling is the highest value that we're actually selling. It's not just great shots. I think there's more innovative storytelling, more types of storytelling, like and couples value um, their portrayal in like a real story way, not just like document my day. Yeah. Like I'm seeing so many filmmakers. So do you feel like this trend is brought on by the customer or brought on by wedding filmmakers wanting to do art? I don't know. I have mixed feelings on that for sure. I do think like people are more used to being in front of cameras now. Mm-hmm. And I do think there are couples who, whether a filmmaker made a film that they saw that they loved and they said, I would like that film or filmmakers are just impressing it upon people. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I I, I will say this. I don't think, if people weren't out there, filmmakers pushing the industry, I don't think this would be a trend. Yeah. But I think now that some have, I do think some couples are like, plus social media and being in front of their own cameras more, are wanting like more of a 3D presentation of not just here's what happened on this wedding day, but here's who we are. Mm-hmm. Like more of an intimate, like a little more sometimes edgier a little, just more insight into the couple, not just insight into the event. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I definitely think 
Americans think of themselves as the the lead character in, in their story a lot more than other people around the world. Oh, um, we see that firsthand, right? But, but we're definitely exporting that type of storytelling to other wedding films around the world. You start seeing a lot more. Uh, we watched a motorcycle uh, wedding film. Do you remember that one that we watched? It was in like the Czech Republic. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, well, like, like, because there's like this non-realistic storytelling that you see a lot of in the um, Asian countries, mm-hmm. like almost action movies. Yes. Kind of like this, or Bollywood, or like these presentations. Or there's like hyper real, mm-hmm. super authentic storytelling. But I, I think both of them are, at the end of the day, more buy-in from the couples, more time in the edit bay. I, they must be, even like, you know, the elopement films that are happening, you know, that's like sometimes three days with this filmmaker. Like, at the end of the day, it's just storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you when you were talking about just like, Couples wouldn't know these types of films would exist unless the wedding filmmakers were the ones pushing it, right? And I, I do feel like uh, the the customer has been very receptive to this type of wedding film, and that they now people are like seeing themselves, seeing their weddings in a different light. Um, we still get a lot of people where we are <laughs> doctors and lawyers who are like, you know, the wedding's not about just us. We just want to have fun. We want to celebrate family and all that kind well, of stuff. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that so, kind of brings up the question, Jared, is like, as much as I think there is a trend yeah. of more, I would say, 3D, complicated, intimate stories, more involved, I do think I, I have a question, which is, will that ever become the standard or is it always going to be like an outlier within the industry? Like that there's a couple that has a lot of buy-in, but most people, they just want you to show up and document the day. I, I think it's important, like me as someone who does sales, my job is to kind of cast a different perspective to to couples right so i think a lot of people think of themselves as we're not instagram people i talk to people all the time they're like we're not really that type of person that wants to be in front of the camera um same thing with you know photographers talking especially people with money yeah and so when i'm talking to them kind of talking to them about like hey if you do this type of film you don't necessarily have to be an Instagram person. You don't have to necessarily show this film to anyone but your family. Um, but making a more intimate type of film um, might be important for your family legacy, you know, as an heirloom to pass down to your kids so they really understand, like, who you guys are um, and were and, and the way that you guys lived. I, I love the idea, like, and we talk about it a lot, like, um, during COVID, I, I dived into Ancestry.com a, a bit. And the way that people, um, you know, kept track of family records was like marriage certificates, death certificates, you know, maybe like graduation, if they like graduated from college, uh, how many times they went to jail, like all these things. Um, I really do think the future is going to be people's photographs. And I hope it's their wedding films too. Like, I hope that you're eventually able to post your wedding film to Ancestry.com. I think that would be really, really cool. I personally do think that regardless of... I think you're always going to have a hard time getting people to spend more time with you, right? Mm. There's always going to be someone who doesn't want to do more filming or who's not comfortable to spill the beans of all their life's details on camera. Especially guys being like, I love you so much, babe, that... The sun will never set on my Or even just like, oh, like, 
you know, cry about their, you know, when we first met, my mom died. Yeah. And like yeah. real, real stuff in their life. Yeah. There's always going to be people who are like, I'm not comfortable like revealing that to the world. Right. Or spending that time, whatever reason. I do think, because I see it at the top of the industry, like not everyone, but most of the people who are demanding top dollar. Like I was telling you before, like I kind of have a premise in my mind, right? Of like, if you're paying for something, like at the base level, you should get good cinematography. I think the second level and tier in your filmmaking is good editing. Mm-hmm. And that's involved storytelling, but it's not necessarily great storytelling. It could just be coherent storytelling. That's mm-hmm. part of good editing. But it could have cool tricks. It could just be fancy looking. I think at the top tier, you know, you're talking some balance between great service, but also great storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like at the top tier of wedding filmmaking in the luxury industry, the highest dollar value is is this expectation that you're going to get all that other stuff that everyone would be, everyone should have good cinematography. Everyone should have solid editing. I don't think a couple spending $3,000 on their wedding film expects crazy good storytelling. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I want this moment. I want this moment. I want this moment. They just want like boilerplate. I want plate. you to cover the event. Cover the event. I want to see the events. I want to see my dad talk. Boilerplate stuff. Yep. I think, there's going to be more and more and more opportunities for people at the top of the game to separate themselves with their storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that will always be like where the money is made. If you're like, how do I get into that top realm? And you're like still just telling basic stories. You probably want to figure out a way to give depth to your couples mm-hmm. and also figure out, have I done a good job creating that expectation with the couple or getting a couple who wants that experience? And I think, I don't know if it's going to be a trend that every couple is going to want it, but I do think um, more couples are wanting it. Yeah, there's definitely more, room for growth. More yep. filmmakers are doing it and doing interesting things with storytelling, whether it be sessions outside of the wedding day, mm-hmm. found footage kind of thing, or like archival footage. You know, who knows? Like I've, I've, some good, some bad, but just a lot of different ideas they're throwing in there to give the couples and the day more depth. Yep, and and you know. We talked a little bit about like who's causing this demand. Mostly, I think it's probably mostly filmmakers, and the the client is reacting to the filmmakers. Which is probably producing. the case with art always, right? It's probably like paintings. Yeah. Like people, people don't know what they want and... until you actually show them what it is, and then they're captivated by it and they want to buy it. Um, I would say something driven by um, the couple themselves is I've seen a lot more people ask for multiple days of coverage, much mm. more than I have. In the you last think that's two, story driven or just um, well, I wonder what drives that. I, I, well, I think it's really comes down to um, they're seeing m- more people are seeing their event as an event as opposed to just a day. Um, and I, part of me does wonder maybe it's just for us because we are moving into another tier of like how much we're charging. Yeah, in my for, experience working with ourselves, but also other luxury planners, that that is like multi day events are standard in luxury and they're not standard in other parts of the market. Yeah. But I would also say the best wedding film that you can make is probably multiple days of has multiple days of coverage. Um, because you can just see much more of a perspective on who a person is, right? Like a wedding day is actually kind of a terrible day to tell a story, right? (laughs) Because the couple, you don't have their attention for the most part. You're, you're, you're competing for people's attention. You have the photographer next to you. You have mother of the bride who's stressed out. You have uh, mother of the groom who's annoying or whatever. Yeah, like you have competing 
uh, parties here. Total, the opposite of filmmaking is having no control. And the, yeah, again, there's zero control. You're you're on a timeline that you're ready to, to follow, but other people aren't following. So then you have less time. You know, it's kind of a terrible day to tell the story. But when you do those multiple days of coverage, I think, so this is my tie-in is, I do think it creates a better story when you're able to capture multiple days. Well, of and maybe inherently like, the more industry leaders, because you're always going to be driven by like, every industry is driven by market leaders. Like whoever's doing the best events, the most high-end events, like course, they're going to yeah. get the most rep reputation. That's who, like your couples are not going to be watching films by people charging $3,000 and $2,000. Nothing wrong with those films. They're going to be watching La Rev. They're going to be watching Sculpting with Time. They're going to be watching Peyton Frank. They're going to be watching, you know, Ray Romans and all the, those filmmakers because that's what's going to be featured on all these different places. And those are pretty much all multi-day events. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Like, like, and so when I would say the reason you shouldn't be a knucklehead and just say, I'm not watching other people's films is because you won't know how much money you could be making. Like you're going to be left in the cold. Like if you see this trend that someone, you know, your brides are watching, you know, your grooms are watching. You know the people out there know like they are watching these films. Yeah. You have an opportunity to say, You want something like that? Let me tell you how to get it. Yeah. And I think I think ultimately it always bleeds into, like you said, better storytelling. But better storytelling to me always bleeds into better pay. Mm -hmm. Like if I can tell a better story, I can get paid more because that's not just a nothing. That yeah. takes more time. And I would say it's important with this concept and, and this trend of better storytelling. Um to not see better storytelling as just different storytelling, right? Yes. That's a trap that we see over and over. People that just get into the industry fall into all the time. How oh, many they're, times? They're so upset about like, oh, I don't want to do that. That person already did that. Right. How many How many times do you see like a Facebook thread of like, I don't want to do films like the rest of you people are essentially. I want to do my own thing. And you know, it's like, dude, your white balance is blue. <laughs> like, <laughs> shut up. Or like, uh, like literally there's a reason why like weddings have not changed that much, no matter what anyone wants to say. But also storytelling hasn't changed much. The things that attract people to watching a movie and uh, reading a book, like good books are still the classics. Well, think about right? it this way. Anytime a filmmaker says, I'm subverting your expectations, you know it's going to suck. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, at the end of the day, I've always said this about like Marvel movies. It's like the second they see they are not surprising, they're not good. Yeah. Right? So, but what's weird about that is like the surprise, <laughs> there's also like a payoff thing where it's like you want it to be surprising how you get to that destination you expect, but you don't want the destination to be surprising. Mm. You want like the, the bad guy to lose. Yeah. You don't want the good guy to lose. Like, and like, there's obviously, that's why they call it horror movies because so in would, horror movies, the bad guy can win and that's a genre. Yeah. I kind of loved when, uh, Thanos, uh, won. I thought that was shocking. But to you me wouldn't like it if it. in, in, in game he snapped again and the world ended. Look, I, I will say, what was it? What was the one where Thanos won? Uh, Infinity War. Infinity Wars was way better than Endgame. <laughs> I would say most people don't agree with that. Really? Oh man, Endgame I is considered to be. And first of all, they're one movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, <laughs> like, like when when Iron Man goes like this, I am Iron Man. Yeah, snaps his finger. Right. 
that's the payoff. Yeah. He ties in like 10 years of, of work <laughs> to get to that moment. And it's like wedding, good storytelling is ultimately all set up punchline. Yeah. Set up punchline, set up punchline. Right. And it's those like, yeah, you want a tricky way to get to that end destination. You want to surprise people on their journey. That's great storytelling, but you don't want to be like, like, and then they were married all that they were in love, but then he, at the very end, they broke up and he married her sister. Yeah. It's like, what, what did I, I just got all invested. And it's like good storytelling. If you're watching this and you're learning, trying to learn how to st tell stories at the end of your wedding film, they're still just going to be kissing or walking or something. It's like, it's not that complicated. You don't need to get that like, like crazy about it. I will say, and if you don't include those things, uh, you'll probably be in trouble. You <laughs> will. They want their you money will. back. Yeah, I, I think it's really about like, can you tell more intimate stories? Yes. Can you tell? Can you tell more three dimensional stories? Can you yeah. give people more? And and I think we are getting more opportunities to yeah. do that. A, a wedding film is a lot like, um, you know, you go to camp in the summertime and you're given all these crafts. It's like, hey, here's the popsicle sticks. Here's the you know, pipe cleaner, all this stuff. We're all given a lot of the same material. Maybe some people's material is more expensive and nicer. Uh, but in general, you're given the same kind of elements and the teacher's gonna tell you, hey, you have to use all these elements to make something with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what a wedding film is. Yep. It's just a matter of how you choose to use those things. Well, and that's what mastery is too. It's like, yeah. you ever see, some, I'm a pretty good cook. I can take the same ingredients and do, and I love my wife. She doesn't like to cook that much. <laughs> so if she gets if she gets ingredients like she Jay, then, your wife does not listen to our podcast. You don't true. have to. I don't even have to worry <laughs> about it. I don't think anyone's <laughs> wife has ever listened to their own podcast. Uh, no, my wife does not want to hear me talk more. It's the yeah. last thing in the world she so wants. We can, if, this is probably the safest place in the world to talk about our wives. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Post it on the internet. <laughs> but um, one of those things is like I know what it is. It's not so much like about what your ingredients are, but what you do with them. That's it. Yeah. And and like I remember Gordon Ramsay would always talk about when he meets a chef, he would say, make risotto. Because it's actually simple and he but it's all about technique. So it's like you, you it's all about like what do you do with these simple ingredients to make them special? And I think like you know, Maybe people's palate's a little expanding in terms of storytelling. Our audience is going to let us have a little more play, right? And I think that leads into the other thing I was going to say. I don't know if this is the order, but this is the order I'm going to do it in, which is I'm seeing a lot more edgier films. I'm seeing a lot more risk-taking in filmmaking and wedding filmmaking, and that's pretty fun. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think so too. Um, something that really opened my eyes to edgier filmmaking was um, – the first vision quest that we went to with with Alex um, and, and sculpting with time and just seeing Alex's work, seeing Henry's work, which at the time was like, that's the edgiest stuff that's kind of out there. And then seeing people like Bottle Brush being introduced to them, seeing their work and just like so many people are doing things that are different. Um, and it's being that, rewarded too. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it is better better storytelling, but it's not what your typical wedding might be. It's essentially the equivalent of like, was it like Rock and Roll Bride? Do you remember that wedding blog that was like, popular I don't remember for a while? that blog. It seems terrible. Yeah, well, it was like, 
it was like edgier weddings. It was like people that were doing things that were like at the time when we first came into the wedding industry, it was all mason jars and and barns, and they <laughs> mason, were mason jars. <laughs> yeah, man, we've been on a that? long ride mason with weddings. Mason jars was like a thing. Oh man, everyone's like wedding, peak had, wedding. Even like Castle Hill weddings had like mason jars. <laughs> you know what it is? Is I remember when um, Alex and Whitney from Skull Two and Time made Harper's List a couple years ago, mm. and I was like, okay. Something's different. Mm. Like, because the list had previously been like good filmmakers, right? But it was like very safe. Yeah. Shoot the event really well. Um, editorial look, everything clean, editorial, yep. which, you know, is a good look. Like, trust me, that, that's luxury. That's what you can sell. Yep. But there wasn't like an opportunity to do some like samsara looking stuff in your wedding films. Um, and Alex and Whitney, like, kind of, like, I feel like kind of broke the glass ceiling in terms of, like, creating that innovative, edgy, could also be high-end luxury. Yes. Yep. I, I agree. Um, and and they were the people that really broke through, I think, for, like, high-end luxury kind with, of world. With the, like, like, planner world. Planner created, world. created, like, you know, a uh, demand. You know, Ray Roman's been doing it for a while, but even, like, Ray's work recently has been i think a lot more edgy as well so like oh, everybody gets to do it now everybody like there's everyone, an appetite for it everyone gets to push the boundary like we don't do it in some ways like where i would consider it like a rock and roll edgy yeah but like even like the ability to do freelancing the ability to shoot things out of focus or to be a little more handheld and right. like create there, that's considered luxury now you're right. There was a time where if you shot something out of focus, remember when we, we would do like focus rolls? Yes. And someone was like, too many focus rolls. Like, you know, snobby videography guys with the, with the vests would be like, you had an out guys. of focus <laughs> shot. And now, like, hold Joel, on. What do they keep in those? What do they keep in those vests? Batteries. Batteries? They're just filled batteries, with batteries. And tapes. <laughs> and like, DV <laughs> tapes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, tapes are like rip out a multi-tool. Business cards, too. <laughs> business yeah, cards. definitely business cards in there. <laughs> anyway, uh, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the people would yeah, – now Joel and Justina will take a photo. They're great photographers out of Toronto, very editorial style. Montreal, like, Jared. I, I thought they were Toronto. Yeah, they are Montreal. Really? Okay. Canada, it's all the same. Sorry, Montreal Canada. is not Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, now they'll take a photo and it's just completely out of focus and it's art. It's you like know? dragging that shutter, Drag doing shutter. something. Yeah, I think like this has been one of the great parts about social media and like exposure to a lot of different art. There's a lot of bad parts, mostly bad in my opinion. <laughs> but there has been a great part, which is like you get to take more risks because like this is how people work. There's a great thing called the Golden Circle. Um, it's that classic Simon Sinek talk and he talks about like innovators and he talks about like outlaw, like basically laggards are people who will only adopt things after everyone's agreed they're fine. Mm -hmm. And I think every market's like that. Planners are typically laggards, by the way. Mm -hmm. And like magazines are definitely laggards. Like anyone who's like, we should print this on paper. <laughs> it's probably like they won't publish something until they know it has the society's seal of approval and social media has allowed these magazines and, and planners to the amount of people who've told me like my couples don't want this mm. and i'm like how do you know 
You've never even shown it to them. Mm-hmm. They might like it. Or, uh, well, then I, I don't want it because it doesn't match my look. Well, what's your look based on? Well, my look's based on what gets published. Well, what is their look? It's like it's a, so you go down the rabbit hole, and eventually it comes down to this is what I know is going to work. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get that little, like, market test of something edgy. And, like, you look at Joel and Justina, and they'll sometimes have, like, 2,000 likes on one of their out-of-focus images or drag shutter images. And you're like, oh, people are fine with this. Yes. It was um, the same with us. You quickly realize that the people who are inventive um, or innovative are um, usually the people that shoot to the top of the industry. Eventually, once they break through, like we were that way in 2010 when we started our wedding. And then we just got super lame and boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when we started shooting DSLR, like that was not cool, trendy. Like it was like no one even knew about it. We were just the, like, this is something that's going to be wedding awesome. Film, the idea of a wedding film in itself was edgy. Yeah. Like, like the first films we were making without classical music, they were like with modern, edgy music. Yeah. And we were making these films because we just liked them. We didn't know any better. But it, I look back on that, and I think you're right. It's like the fact that we were willing to push the envelope created, and other people too, created this new product this new demand. And so I, I'm seeing more and more of that. I will say this though. I wonder when, you know how, like if something gets edgy, then suddenly everyone wants to do it and then it's not edgy anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, like you'll see like everyone's films, like bam, 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 like four feet of block. Katie and John. Or, and then like a swear word. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, all right, this is one of these. <laughs> like, or like everyone's like, doing like like the cape moves in front and then oh look they did an after effects thing where like whoosh 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 it's like there's nothing those are all fine tricks and stuff but i do wonder like sometimes like uh when the it becomes derivative and a little bit like it actually stops being edgy and starts being boring yeah 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 totally i mean i i do feel like that's kind of um every kind of art you know like the person who originated that that style or whatever um will get all the props and everyone else will just be like oh that's this film that that person this film company originated like, or they'll it's go like derivative of what their work the is the filmmakers like, go like i'm just looking to do something more like more me mm-hmm. and then you're like okay what do you want to do and then they show you what they want to do i'm like so more like this person yeah that's how is that more you you yeah, just yeah. copy this person well you know and i would say with this like doesn't really that matter that much no it doesn't because your clients don't know this other company that you know you might be copying a lot of elements well, everybody from their gets, films like, everybody gets, and they like it everybody gets their some like there's no such thing as original art yeah i was listening i went to a show the other day in this um really cool band, a rock a, show a rock and roll show wow and this band called uh, Girl they still House. Have those? Yeah, they do. This band called Girl House is playing. Yeah. And literally, like, I mean, I don't know if she can actually play guitar very well. I'm not sure. I don't care. I liked the way it sounded, but she's just playing like junk, 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 like power chords on like a clean guitar mm-hmm. with a bunch of compression. And and it's like, that's not new. But then I was like, wow, her voice is really unique. That mix, her singing with that is new to me. And it's like, so you taking someone else's, being inspired by someone, taking a tool that they've put into your tool chest and using it, um, ultimately, I think it's more about the implementation of a trend than it is 
like you know we've used super eight from time to time that's a trend we're going to talk about that and a lot of different things out there but we use it differently mm-hmm. and so i think like you know i think as long as you're like it's true to you i think it's cool to, to get inspired by other people i'm not trying yeah. to mock that it's just an interesting thing that happens yeah. like edgy by edgy if you're just copying someone is the opposite of edgy mm-hmm. so i would say like just copying someone kind of is like you're not really pushing boundaries it doesn't mean it's not fun though yeah so you just brought up super eight do you feel like super eight is a trend or do you feel like it's something that um has been around for a while people have been using it are there different types of mixed media that people are using that you feel like are trendy i think it is a trend to include more mixed media whether it be like someone sends you photos right and you like do like a bunch of slider shots of their photos and include that Mm. or they send you the cell phone footage from their phones or like people are documenting their lives now more than ever. Why not include that? I think bringing a dad cam super eight kind of thing or a dad cam mini DV cam or VHS. Like I think there is a trend in telling using a cause, cause I feel like it's a different voice. So like whether it be a first person voice in your wedding film by like their vacation footage or almost like a, voyeuristic look by a, by a mini DV cam. Like, I feel like you're just changing gears in the film a little. And I think people are into that. I was telling a planner something I was thinking the other day after she gave me her vision, I started casting my own vision. Like, okay, what about this? The only thing she texted me about back after the call is using a mini DV cam. Hmm. How exciting that was to her. How amazing it was to her. And it was like, I think there's a hunger for like, interesting ways of telling stories and i think part of it is just mixed media i think you're seeing more openness to that like the more you see it even just the effects that people are using a lot of that is just emulating that yep i I recently um watched that documentary on netflix um the volcano have you seen that yet i told marilyn i'm like we can't watch that tonight that's too serious (laughs) but i want to watch it okay so uh, netflix documentary about a volcano that goes off a bunch of tourists were on the island oh it's not about the couple it's about a couple couples okay there's another one yeah that about two scientists who are volcano studies not that that one looks amazing anyway yeah so um but i think a lot of filmmakers especially wedding filmmakers could probably learn from creating just a documentary like this because you're talking about an event that happened that you're limited on the amount of footage, the amount of assets that were collected on the actual day of the wedding, right? And you quickly realize like more is better when it comes to like how many assets you have. If you're only filming with like two cameras on a wedding day, there's only really so much you can do. So adding the extra mixed media, adding whether it's another DV camera, Super 8, like another kind of perspective, um, it's pretty important because what they did in this documentary was they had some cell phone footage, but then they had to go back and shoot so much B-roll. And I could tell as someone who, you know, makes films for a living, I could definitely tell that they were like, Ugh, we don't really have a lot here. We have interviews of people. Um, you know, we have some cell phone footage, but they were really grasping at straws. So if you can add a lot of these things to a wedding film, you can really make it a little bit well, more. Well, it's about authenticity of voice. Authenticity of voice is so big. Yeah. And who something's coming from makes it more authentic, right? And so who in our case is the camera, the perspective, the like like if you 
the very idea of like, oh, I threw this mini DV cam on a dance floor and all the people grabbed it and were just making dumb faces at it. If I went out there and shot a bunch of people going at the camera with my camera, I might not include that. To me, that's not the voice of that camera. Mm-hmm. I That same exact look, I did these very beautiful portraits. I don't want to integrate into that. Yep. But if that guy does it to himself with a mini DV cam and I crop it a certain way and give it that voice, it's speaking totally different and it comes across as authentic. Yep. And so I think like creating different gears in your film and lots of different perspectives and adding new characters by adding multiple media forms is really cool. Like, yep. and, and the same thing could be said about interviews outside of the, that's its own filmmaking technique. Like knowing how to shoot a good interview and conduct a good interview is not the same as shooting a good wedding film, but adding that to your film, like the, that, that's pretty cool. Like that's a, just another way of like tool within straight up just filmmaking. Uh, another thing that we had talked about was, um, I'm seeing people ask for longer films, longer films. And this is something that I feel like it's people have, throwback, right? people have always asked for longer films. I feel like wedding filmmakers have been offering less and less longer films in favor of short films for social media. Um, but in the last year or two, I've had a lot more people ask me like, Hey, what you guys do is great. I don't necessarily think that I would want something like that. I would like a longer film, whether it be an hour long film, whether it be a, you know, um, you know, just, just a longer film that maybe even if it's like 12 minutes long, uh, something that's a little bit longer so that we can savor onto that. Have you ever heard people asking for more of that? I see it all the time. Like yeah. People, like it's like the number one thing when you see the, like the quintessential Facebook group post of someone saying, look at this bride, she wants the world. Like it almost seems like the lower cost of the wedding, the less they want to pay, the longer film they want. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it's like a function of just like they watch their parents' wedding film. They're, they don't have, they're not super educated on wedding filmmaking. So they, so maybe it's like a function of like we're reaching a new, like that second tier of customer that previously would have never been interested in wedding films. Like mm-hmm. they're not super educated on wedding films, but they kind of know they want a wedding film. So then they're like, well, what's my frame of reference? Oh, my parents' wedding film. Yes. Are we going to have to have the same explanation? What do you do when people ask you for that? Cause to be clear, we're not making an hour long wedding film. Mm-hmm. That film sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we've never really offered an hour long wedding film, even when they were very popular in 2012, 13, 14, like people were offering, documentary edits right and we pretty much haven't really changed our core deliverable maybe like i think we reduced it by one minute yeah but we haven't changed our core deliverable in 12 years yeah yeah um it was really popular to do those long edits where which were essentially like events stacked on top of each other with maybe a little bit of b-roll and some background music in between the events right that that's like your documentary edit i've even seen some people who would set up a camera in the corner of the room of the bride getting ready and just push play. And like, that's your documentary edit. You're not going to miss a moment, even the, all the moments that you don't care about and you never want to watch a second. Oh time. yeah. Sometimes people uh, are like, can you just do? Yeah. And you're like, I mean, I could do it, but, but also actually this, this is interesting. So the history, if you're new to wedding filmmaking is 
mini DV cams, they just roll, right? As long as your battery doesn't run out. You know, and I think they were like 90-minute tapes at one point. Maybe well, I, like actually, 60, I think 120 typically. was yep. like the long play ones. Yep. And if you changed your quality, you could get even more. Yep. So anyway, that was how it was. Wedding films on DSLR, we didn't have to deal with that crap because literally we were like, we can't do it. Yeah. Our camera would roll for 12 minutes or 13 minutes or whatever. You didn't have anything really bigger than a 64 gig CF card. (laughs) And and if we did deliver like a classic documentary edit or DV style, like here's your tape kind of mimic, it was a lot of work because we had to bring that into, you know, an NLE. We had to uh, break it down chronologically, and we had well, to export it. And back we then, we didn't exporting. do any of that stuff, though. We would only do. We didn't. St- I remember think, thinking in my head, "I'm not going to touch weddings until I can do it on a digital card." Yeah, because I was so like, I don't like. I I've made a lot of films on like DV camps, yep. super mini DV, and you know all that stuff. And so the these films got shorter quickly because the camera limitation. Mm-hmm. So now that limitation is being removed. Yep. Right. People can unlimited record. You have giant cards. You you know you have all these external battery solutions. Like these cameras can now do what these old cameras used to be able to do. So I wonder how much of like there was an artificial restriction. And I think it was good for the industry, right? It fine tuned us down to highlight films. Well, yeah, it made everyone have to get that. And and that's what became popular. And it helped us, I think, with our vocabulary a little bit. Yeah, we were like, like literally sitting up. Like you pretty much couldn't cover a ceremony without three cameras because you're having to go between your three cameras and stop, start them yep. in Every case one dies minutes. and something yep. can happen. And so like there was that, like we, our thing was always give you a four to six minute highlight film, do a un, like a linear multicam edit of all your events. That was what we did mm-hmm. for a long time. Now I think a lot of couples that are getting in they do want these longer films how are we like we're not going to make that 60 minute film yeah. i think a lot of people aren't um what are we doing that is kind of addressing that need at so least with ourselves when i have someone who says they want an hour-long wedding film i usually assume they don't know what they're talking about and they haven't watched a wedding film in the last five ten years i kind of explain to them probably two things one is i always am like we don't do that because i've never seen one i've liked I've never seen one that's of quality. Um, and number two, in order for me to make that film, it would cost you probably as much as it would take me to make something that you would be really happy with. Well, like, and how and, many and of those people, of. yeah, and how many of those people, Jared, you think actually are just talking about someone who put all the linear events into one export? That's that's mostly what it is. Um, Which I don't understand why people make that. Why not give them six videos instead of one long video? Yeah. I usually tell people like typically in 2023, people want their events as separate edits so that you can um, text it to people. (laughs) Like if you want to send your mom your ceremony, you just send it to her in a file, full ceremony, beginning to end. And and you can, it's a lot easier to export. You don't have this like 15 to 20 gig, (laughs) like hour and a half long edit, right? Um, Which I'm sure you could, get it below that but well and it's like a, a different you can't send that over text message you can send shorter toasts or whatever via text message it's, it's a, a different easier. thing right yeah. it's totally different I, I do think it's interesting like we were talking about the storytelling mm-hmm. before and like 
there's almost like I think what I am seeing a move away from people want longer films but I think really what I'm seeing is they have a higher expectation of the storytelling in their films so like they're not like maybe as okay with a film because we we made another product and we're kind of reevaluating that which is like just a music video Mm-hmm. I think there is a bit of a move away from that. Maybe that's kind of what you're seeing with these longer films is they want like a little more of the, it's like, show me the things that happened though, please mm-hmm. don't just show me a cool perfume commercial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think audio is very important. Uh, probably about like five years ago, four or five years ago before COVID, I started seeing a lot of people asking for just like, Hey, do you do an option where there's no speaking? Like it's you, two different crowds here. One is someone who's just like speaking is just really cheesy to me. Or I don't want to be like exposed like that. Which, like which to me is like kind of weird because it's like that's your brother speaking. Like that's not cheesy. That's just them being authentic. But for some person, you know, it might be weird. Um, the other person is someone who's just like maybe their uh, best man, maid of honor, whoever is like young and they don't need it. Um, but then also – uh, we started seeing a lot of like cool people <laughs> uh, make these wedding films that were um, didn't have audio in it, and I think it allowed them to be maybe a little bit more trendy, a little more um, high paced and like faster. Because one of the yeah. one of the worst things about a wedding film when you're shooting it and you're like you know you have to include terrible toasts and not yeah. well. It's it's like it dra- it can and actually you slow down the wedding film in order to drop down your audio to be able to fit those sound yes. bites in there. Like it, it kind of goes against the grain. Um, but I do feel like people, we've tried it. The wedding industry has tried it and the market has kind of rejected it a little bit. Like but we, we were offering a product like that. I probably about half the people were like, um, yeah, we, now we're just kind of between you who don't offer it and someone who does offer it for the same price. Your and films like look your better, edits, but, but you know, we were making they were having to make that choice and I think the majority of the market does want a wedding film with audio. So yeah. um you know, and and that's not necessarily rocket science. It's not necessarily we're, we're not, you know, uh doing anything crazy. Well, but all that to say, I think it contributes to like people are wanting more like long, like longer films, and yeah. part of why they want longer films is because they want more of their straight up old school wedding moments. Yep, that's what I think it is. And so it's like you have it's not just like telling a deeper story. That's that's a separate point. They want mm-hmm. more vulnerability, more deep storytelling. Yep. I think p- more people are demanding more almost traditional wedding storytelling. Yeah, and I, I wonder how much of that has to do with. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to grasp a little bit too deep, but I do wonder if COVID affected that. Oh, like I think so. People being at home, uh, you know, we're so fast paced. We still are. We're very fast paced culture. Um, but having something that lasts a little bit longer, that satisfies you for longer. Well, I, I think and the idea of like everyone in your life can die. Yeah. Everything in your life is like, this is a moment. So I feel like one of the things that you had said earlier is also playing into this is, the idea of it, a wedding for for our long films. Here's how we solve the problem is we, we only do films longer than six minutes for multi-day events. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is when people are asking us for these edits, we're saying, that's so amazing. We love doing that. We don't do that. We do something else. And we only do it for this package. Mm-hmm. And it's this package for this price. And it's for multi-day events. We think this is the best way to tell long form 
highlight-based stories. And they're highlights with more storytelling, more like maybe a little bit more pacing because they're longer. Yeah, I, I w the way I describe it to our couples is um, you can kind of play around with their themes a little bit more. Like in a five to six minute highlight film, it's kind of like first song, second song, you're kind of matching the vibe of, of the music. Yeah. With, with a longer film, you can do your fun stuff for a portion, like, you know, your irreverent cuss words, dirty joke, like type stuff. And then you can hop into like fun moments uh, later in the film. You can hop into sentimental moments and change your music around that yeah, much the more. Longer, just... The longer the film is, it gives you more ability to show more sides of the couple. Yep. And so we kind of lean into that and we, it's been a very effective for us. We, we're not selling hour long films cause we don't want to. Yeah. We are selling more hours of video. Yeah. yeah. I think like, just if you're wondering how to sell this, just the biggest thing I think is people don't know how to explain to couples the difference between their highlights and their events. Mm -hmm. If you just explain to people, oh yeah, I'll give you an hour of video. Sure. I, That's I, what people I think mostly mean, right? Yeah. I, I would say if you want a real challenge to what types of, of films that you're making, um, you know, you could make something that's a little bit more edgy. We talked about edgy wedding films. Um, but I would say if you really want a challenge, do a longer wedding film and see how people react because, you know, you can't necessarily charge more because your film is more edgy. Uh, maybe you can if, if you created like, a, a brand for yourself. So good. But you can charge more money if your films are longer. Yep. To every single one of your couples. You want to talk about like one of the basic things people understand? More video, more money. That's it. Yep. They understand that. It's not complicated. It's you do need to make sure what you're doing is good. Yep. So like you can't do something bad. Yep. Right? So maybe more video means just more deliverables. You know, maybe it's better explanation of the deliverables. In our case, it was more deliverables, but then we also made a new highlight film. Mm -hmm. And it's different. It's a different type of edit than our core four to six minute highlight film because we thought about, okay, if I was to make a 12 to 15 minute film, what would I be happy with? Mm. And we're like, okay, a little more pacing. Yeah. A little more emotional depth, a little more themes. Yep. Kind of, you know, it lets us explore that. And I think, you know, I think there's an opportunity for every filmmaker to sell a, so, more video. Yeah. More video. Like, um, I will say, like, one of the things I see as a mistake, Jared, is my opinion at least, and this is more of getting into package construction, is when people do, like, package one, four minutes. Package two, six minutes. Package three, ten minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. Well, we've, we've always had a problem with that because, and we've never done it on our end. And, and when we do website critiques and when we're doing wedding film critiques, we're like, dude, that film should have been so much shorter. Like, and, and what happens when you kind of tear your wedding films that way is most of the time, the best wedding film is probably four minutes long. It's yeah. nice and tight. It's contained. It's, it has good cuts. And it just feels like your 10 minute edit is stretched to the point where it's like kind of a bad film. Pretty horrible. You're just stretching the same footage. And they footage. have the biggest budgets. So, so like your best weddings, your best looking weddings, usually have your worst films. And your yeah. like it's like. The, uh, the people that spend the most money get the worst films. Yes. That's and ultimately, Yeah. <laughs> we were only willing to sell the longer film when we could think of a way to make one that we loved. And now we love those films. I think those films are the best thing that we make. I would agree. Hands down. Like 
they do not feel like 16 minutes long. They feel like they're five minutes long, but they're much more full. It feels like a nice, dense film. But we only make them. We will not sell them unless they buy multiple days of coverage. Yep. Because yep. we know what it takes to make it. <clears throat> and so people are willing to pay for it when they say, I want a longer film. We took that market feedback and we said, how can we make people's day, give them what they want mm -hmm. in a way that we're happy and are they willing to pay more? And I think unequivocally, if you can show people, I'm going to give you a longer film, that's great. They will pay more money, mm -hmm. like yep. a lot more money. Yep. So that's that's what I'm seeing. And you know, and then I think um, I don't know how this really ties into to you know wedding film trends, but um, maybe we just say it's always trendy to make the experience very convenient for your couple, right? Yes. So and and convenient um uh method of convenience methods of convenience um are always changing right well i so, think the trend is like if you want to be at the top of the game as a wedding filmmaker you need to provide a good experience our industry is getting more and more mature like like the people who you're competing with who are other wedding filmmakers they're not sitting on their hands they're not just only focusing on their films they're not just like they're hustling wedding planners they're figuring out ways. Why do you think there's three companies like EasyFlix, MediaZilla? Um, I forget the other one, but they're not a sponsor, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, the um, these companies are coming up with these video delivery platforms, right? Because like people are like, how do I make this slicker, cleaner, and more convenient for couples? At the end of the day, convenience always wins. If your contracts are a pain to sign. You never want to hop on the phone or you never like, I think our industry is getting more and more and more standardized in terms of like creating convenience for couples yeah, and making it easier to work with you. Like that is a trend and people, the trend is people are, are actually getting better at it. So don't sleep on that part of your business because they, I think I'm sure you see this couples are noticing it. Mm -hmm. Well, this person, blah. Like they're, they're not like, it used to be like, we could just roll out of bed and deliver a better experience than our competitors. Cause people were so bad. Do you remember like <laughs> the guy at the wedding show who will remain nameless? Um, but like he was leaning his pictures against the back curtain and we were like setting our stuff up and like we, this, he's on the other side of the curtain and like walked into the curtain and his pictures fell down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, he was like, what are you guys doing? He's like yelling at us. I'm like, dude, you leaned your pictures against a curtain. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm backing my stuff up. That guy is never going to deliver a good experience to a couple. He's easy pickings for us. That was part of our thing. When we got into the industry, the people we were competing with, we didn't know this, but delivered terrible experiences. So inconvenient. Well, and their model was inconvenient. Like if you're a photographer, this is a good example. If you're a photographer, I like trashing on photographers from 2010. Idiots. <laughs> um, remember how it, maybe they would deliver on an online gallery, but there would be watermarks on the photos, uh -huh. right? And then they would only deliver low resolution photos because they didn't want people to print photos at CVS, right? Yes. They wanted you to spend $20 on a four by six. Because, <laughs> because that was where all that, that was money a big was. part of their model. And we came in, we said, yeah, you can still have uh, online gallery, but full resolution, non watermark, like literally ate their lunch overnight, 
ruined their whole business model, won the work, right? Um, so I, I would agree if you aren't delivering your wedding films in a way that's convenient to, for people, um, they won't refer you and that could destroy your business. So. Everything about it is moving into a customer centered experience. Do, do you think convenience is just about delivery though? What, what no. other areas that, you know, what, when we're talking about convenience, what do you mean by that? I think it's just, I, and maybe a more ref, like nuanced way to say it is like customer experience is becoming more elevated across the industry. And does that mean that you send them um, caramel shoes or something <laughs> in a candle when I they actually, book I you? I think I personally think like I don't care if someone wants to do that, but I tend to think like that kind of has nothing to do with it. I sure. guess maybe I don't know. Like, <laughs> but I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like just more sophisticated customer experiences, like everything from your website, like to your like form actually working to like actually you showing up on time to the meetings to like ever being late with anything like the bar is being raised yeah and anything you do that's inconvenient to someone they will make a note of and they will compare you to other people and whoever wins the battle like that was the easiest person to work with <clears throat> like it's that like easy to work with great experience good work that that's the like thing they're looking for is like the convergence of those two things. I don't think it's enough now for someone to show up and like, Oh, you know, they're really flaky, but they're a great artist. Mm -hmm. They're really rude, but they're a great artist. Like, yeah, they really, it took seven months to get the film, but they're like, we just did the thing with Carrie and like that on that episode. And her thing was like, the first thing she said was, well, a person I'm looking for is someone who does what they say. Mm-hmm. That didn't used to be the case for wedding filmmakers. We would just suck. And they were like, well, we have no alter. It's like, like think about when you're shopping for health insurance. You've pretty much been like, eh, it's all going to be a terrible experience. I need to see who has the best benefits. You like There are industries where you have no choice. You can't get a good experience no matter what. So you're shopping price or deliverables. TV what? cable. <laughs> yes, yeah. cable, like yeah. whatever. Wedding yeah. filmmaking used to be that way. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, I'm going to look at experience, price, quality, and they're all going to have equal weight Yep. to people. And I really do think they're close to equal weight. I think you're going to have a – very few people are going to be like, just look at your films. They're going to look at the whole picture of how easy it is to work with you and all that junk before they even make the final decision. Like, why do you think people say, like, we just clicked with this person? Does that mean you actually became friends? <laughs> Maybe. No, no. But no, what it means is this was easy. This was easy, and I'm expecting that my future ex experience with this person is going to be just as easy, and I don't have to worry about the things that I thought I might have to worry about. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I think so, too. Convenience will always be trendy and cool and uh, help you get more work. And, yep. um, At the end of the day, like, it's becoming industry standard to be professional. Yep. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like you can't be a non-pro at business anymore yep. and do wedding films. Yep. Guys, so hopefully um, this has been interesting to you. If you um, think of any trends or, or, or have noticed anything in the industry, uh, leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube. 
um, that will help the algorithm, but then also uh, probably generate some discussion as well. Uh, make sure you're joining our Facebook group. Uh, it's one of the largest wedding film Facebook groups uh, on the planet. Planet um, Earth. On planet Earth, and it's a way that you can get your questions answered from filmmakers like Jason and myself who have been in the industry for a long period of time. Um, it's also just a great place to uh, generate real community, the wedding filmmaker community. It tends to be pretty lonesome when you're doing everything yourself. So that's a great way to make some friends. Um, also, make sure that you are liking and subscribing to both of our YouTube channels. We mentioned it before, The Wedding Film School Show, as well as, as, well as Wedding Film School. Um, and like uh, leave a five-star review wherever you find podcasts as well if you listen to us in podcast form. Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next week right here on The Wedding Film School Show.